welcome to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast, Episode 6. Alongside Hunter Pulaski, I am Peter Garber. We are brought to you by Reed Furniture in Petoskey. Whatever your furniture need, it's Reed indeed. In today's episode, recapping the Zurich Classic. We also preview the Valspar Championship, Paul Casey Week, going for three in a row at Innisbrook Resort in Florida. Also going to play a little golf trivia. I trick Hunter in a game of over-under career earnings, and he tells you all about his bad beat from over the weekend. Let's talk some golf. Well, I did play golf this weekend, actually. Awesome. How'd you play? So bad. So poorly. I don't really know what to say about it other than... I mean, I chipped it good. I had to chip on like every hole yeah, almost. Say a lot of opportunities. Like, really, like I hit my driver good and I chipped it good. Sounds like your iron like, play was wasn't. Very, sounds like your iron play wasn't very good. I was two for four. I don't know that I've had a worst round. A worse round. Uh, excuse me. With my irons, my approach play, it was crazy. It, it was like you know when you get into one of those modes where you get over the the ball with certain clubs and you're just like. You know it's not right the way that you're standing there and the way that you're about to swing, but you don't know how to fix it. I literally just battled my swing with on every approach shot the entire round. I missed, and I was missing them all in one direction pretty much. Where were you missing them? Left. Were you, was it starting left and you were trying to save it? With your hands nah. or? Oh, well, yeah. I, pull, I was just in a pull draw. And that's why I'm so good at chipping. Because I never hit the green. Where'd you play? Sneaky good public course around here. It's called White Pines. Okay. It's run by the city of Bensonville. It's a parks course. or There's Sneaky good park courses out there. Not going to be your best maintained, but. The 18th hole is a 510 yard par four, like straight uphill and tight with OB on the right and trees on the left. Was it par 72? Full, a full, full length golf course? 71. Okay. And that they did have five par threes. Okay. Which is goofy. And not you're not going to score it well when you have to play five par threes and you can't hit an iron shot, particularly <laughs> when half those par threes are 190 plus. No, There's a drive, drivable part. You start out, you play three really long par fours. Well, not really long. The first hole is not that long, but you can, you don't really hit a driver off the tee. But like decent par fours. I bogeyed all three of those. Didn't hit a single green. Oh, no, I did. I hit the first green. I three-putted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you start to, they start to mix it up. You start playing some par threes, some drivable par fours, some reachable par fives. But then, yeah, there's some really, it's the whole thing is really narrow, a lot of trees. I imagine if you were playing well and you went out there, it would feel kind of like playing Bayview. It's probably similar length, it's just like 6,400 yards or mm-hmm. something. But if you're playing bad, you're just in the you're just in the tree you're in the trees. I don't know what made, uh, made me just think of this, but uh, it doesn't happen as much much now. But back in competitive play, when it was shotgun starts, what was your favorite um, par hole to start on? 
sounds like probably not par threes, but between par threes, par fours, and par fives, if you had to, it was your first hole you're of the day. The first, I've never, I've never thought about that. No, I'm just, I'm that one time. It, it doesn't, you don't, you don't care. You don't think you, do you think you have a better chance of starting at a par five for compared to a par four? I never thought about it in those terms. I maybe thought about the kind of hole I wanted to finish on. Mm-hmm. Like I love to finish on a par for a birdie opportunity. So if I saw that I was teeing on the hole ahead of a birdie opportunity, I would notice that because I'm Hunter, you got to understand something. My <laughs> game is built around from the green backwards to the tee. I'm also a back nine player. So really when I was teeing off in a tournament, I was just trying to like keep it in play. Don't make double on the first hole. I felt like if I kept myself in the golf tournament on the front nine, I could like close decent on the back. And like by that time, I would feel a little more comfortable and get my swing. I was never like, all right, here we go. Today's the day for five under with like, I'm not a confident person naturally. So like that is not, I was just choking the grip on whatever tee I was on. And was just like, don't go in the water. Well, I think it's interesting because I think like you, I think I'd rather in most cases you'd rather start on a par five because you have five, five, five chances essentially to, to get the ball, the hole to make a par. But then you also think about what you just said, like back nine, you'd rather have your birdie opportunities when you're hitting the ball and you're kind of in a groove. So it's a matter of like, do you want to make that par to get to the start or would you rather have a chance at birdie like halfway through the round? So I've always wanted to start, I've always liked starting on par fives and I say that, like- but. This spring, like, I'm probably like 30 over on par fives in my seven rounds I've played. Yeah, I made a triple on a par five over the weekend. <laughs> I hit my second shot from the middle of the fairway OB. With an iron? No, it was a three. It was a 620-yard <laughs> hole. Where the, crazy. Hell, where the hell are they getting all this this land in, the, in a Muni City Park course? Oh, the, well, trust me, my ball that I hit OB, <laughs> I mean, let's just say I won't be any answering any phone calls from unknown numbers this week yeah <laughs> did you hear something did you hear something no no <laughs> well, thank that's, god that's a relief no glass shatters or tire screeches <laughs> but and i was not the only one in my group launching pit missiles over the fence into <laughs> unseen territory so we were about on the 14th hole and i thought maybe we ought to wrap this up <laughs> <laughs> better, better get a head start on out of here. Back to the city here. <laughs> How far is that away from the city? It's really close, like twenty minutes. So it's just on the other side of O'Hare. Forty bucks, nothing. The thing that one of the things that's a bummer about Chicago public golf is that you don't really get to warm up. It's not common to have a range. Now, this place had a dome, and then they're remodeling it, so they're going to have a range soon, but it wasn't open yet. So literally, like, you know how many times I, what I've, I've said it all every time on this podcast. I think this is my second or third time playing golf this year, this spring. Second, I think. Mm-hmm. And you don't get to warm up. Yeah. Your warm-up is two off the first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no guarantee I'm getting either one of those two in play. <laughs> no. So, uh, that's the tough part. I hit my two best shots. I really felt like the last, that 500 yard uphill par four that I mentioned, I striped a drive and then just nuked a six iron. It was like, it was like a two yards off the front of the green or whatever, but I made that swing and I thought, Oh, I got it now. 
Only there, took 18 there, holes. there it is. Yeah. The second shot on the 18th hole, I dialed it in. You know, like I think if I had gone and played another 18, which of course I did not do. No. With a 15 month old baby at home, um, I probably would have played well. So hopefully one of these times I can warm up before my round and get into a little bit of a groove or something to you see would, if I can post a little bit better score. What about you? Do you play? Yeah, we played. Uh, um, I was actually so Friday, Friday night. It was it was pretty nice around here. Um, so we were going to go play Bayview, but they they didn't have the pins in yet. So the pins um, seems like every other golf course in the area uh, minus, uh, some of the higher end Boyne courses are open. I mean, it's been a pretty awesome spring, uh, as far as weather goes. So I wasn't like super pleased. So I almost kind of like revolted against my own golf course on Friday night. And it was like, I'm not playing temporary pins. Um, they ended up being put in on the following morning. Yes. Uh, yes. The following morning. It might even have been, yeah, the following morning. So we played Saturday. There was um, some rain in the afternoon. We played nine holes. Actually hit it okay. They they didn't, they had the pins in, but the greens had not been touched since last October. Like not, not a single mow. And it was, there was dew from the rain that just happened. And it was only like a, uh, like an eighth and less than an eighth of inch range. So it wasn't much, but it was so slow, <laughs> but it was nice to hit to like full. But I had, I think I had three or four, three putts in nine yeah, holes because no. you blow the, you yeah. leave the first one miles short and then yeah. you blow the next one miles by. Oh, so it's yeah. like, it, it is. So I actually got to the point where if I had, I mean, I just kind of started to pick up, but it felt good to hit to, um, hit to the actual greens and the course is re- like really looking pretty sweet. So I'm excited. So he probably planned to cut those greens and then it, because of the heavy dew or whatever, he's like, whatever, I'll just do the pins today and cut the grass tomorrow. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, it sounded like the, the pins were actually the first day of pins was supposed to be today. There might've been a little bit of outcry, uh, from, from the membership. So he got the, the pins were put in on, uh, Saturday morning, but I have a What's few, the weather like up there today? Today's nice. So I have a feeling you probably mowed. It sounds like we had some, we're doing some irrigation, I don't know, way over my, uh, way outside my pay grade, but it sounds like some irrigation, uh, fixes on the back nine, which was supposed to happen yesterday. But, uh, I don't know if you know, it so, snowed the whole yeah. freaking day yesterday. Unbelievable. Uh, Unbelievable. That's why I asked about the weather today. So and then the it, weather, the rest of the week up there is supposed to be good or what? I think so. Yeah. It looks like mid fifties, uh, mid fifties this week, bring your golf clubs next week. Cause it looks like it's supposed to be getting into the sixties, seventies. We need to, uh, get a weatherman on this podcast. Maybe. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Golf forecast. No, weatherman. I know what my golf forecast is always the same. Bogies and doubles. <laughs> What what is the lowest the lowest weather like the coldest weather you would play you can play golf in that you like does it have to be in the fifties for you to feel like what no I teed off at I teed off at six thirty on Sunday Hunter it was forty one degrees I wore gloves when I warmed up on the putting green I had long johns and ski socks on I had three layers including a hoodie on top I had a this baseball cap this Titleist cap and a beanie on top. Well, no wonder so, you couldn't hit any iron. I will <laughs> you play had seven golf layers on. in literally 
anything. I played a state championship, not that I had a choice, in Hale. <laughs> My sophomore you year. Know, you know what, Coach? I'm going to take a rain, I'm gonna take a rain check here today. Lansing. <laughs> I birdied two of the last three to shoot break 80. At the, at the <laughs> West Course? Which the easy one. Oh, the East. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, I played so <laughs> bad. Yeah. I was coming off. I, just, I played really well at regional, so I put a bunch of pressure on myself and folded like a freaking lawn chair. That sounds like high anyway, school golf. Let's get to Michigan golfers. Brian Stewart and alongside Russell Knox, sons of guns. They did not have a good Friday, missed the cut, and that cost me on the plus 190. But Stewart is still having a pretty decent year. He's back in the field again this week for the uh, <clears throat> Valspar. Uh, Brem is also back in the field. He withdraw, withdrew from the Zurich for an undisclosed reason. Uh, he's in after Steve Stricker decided not to play. We're at the max. Sounds like we're at the max field level of 156. You've got the late sunset in Florida right now. Yeah, it's packed. You know, Brem's got to have a good week one of these weeks maybe this can be a good course for him though it does put a lot of uh emphasis on your on your approach and your scrambling uh and then joey garber had tied for 35th on the corn ferry so i didn't check his standings but my guess is they're probably similar to where he was in the high 60s yeah that's, that's what it looked like last last week so hopefully those guys can make some moves here in the uh in the coming weeks early june i think is that tournament in Raleigh that Joey won a couple years ago. So maybe that can be a good one for him. He seems to be playing a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, Zurich. Yeah. Recap. Only team event. How'd you think it all turned out? I loved it. I actually, I actually really liked it. It was, it was, uh, as far as like the, the viewing of the golf tournament, I mean, you couldn't really ask for much more as far as the format and the way it, it presents itself on the scoreboard where everyone, I mean, I think I, I, I knew you were into it when you texted me about the walk up music at like noon on Sunday. I was like, wow, he's already settled in for this. Yeah. Broadcast. Yeah. And I, I'm a, I'm an absolute sucker for alternate shot. I love alternate shot. I could watch alternate shot. I think alternate shot is like the, the purest form of pressure and like team effort that you can team. possibly it's the best. Yeah, I mean, you have to. Yeah, I mean, you have to be, you have to be willing to put your partner in really tough positions, and like, vice versa. And then, if something, if you blow it three feet by, you better have confidence that your partner can make that three footer coming back. Uh, And I I think it's 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 like so much ham and egging. I I really do like it, but I heard a uh, a discussion over the I think it was yesterday maybe that yes or no to making it all four days of alternate shot. And I, I say no because of how the, the scoreboard presents itself on, uh, on Thursday and Saturday where it's the holes that you can birdie in a better ball format are the holes you can birdie. So everyone can really kind of get cl- gets clumped up on Thursday and Saturday. And I think it really makes for an awesome cut day and an awesome Sunday. So I, I saw I saw that discussion. I'm I'm pretty against it. I think the the way it's set up now, it's like just enough fun on Thursday and Saturday, and then on on Friday and Sunday, it's like hold on hold on for dear life. Try not to shoot 76 like Tony and Cameron in the final round. 
So it, it it's I thought it was awesome. I thought I thought it, I thought it was exciting. You knew that was coming. Though. Yeah, after watching yeah. them scramble their faces off on Saturday to shoot whatever they did, they're hitting it all over the place. I mean, Cam is so good with his driver, but they're not it. They're <laughs> that's just a weird alternate shot team. But I I didn't. It's not like I had a great beat on it because I was I was dogging poor my boy Keith and Brand, and they played awesome. That was a good call on your part on Uline and Wierenski. Uline yeah. is hot. He rode the hot hand there. I hope you didn't let me talk you off of that. No, I uh, you uh, you did. Uh, I did let you talk me <laughs> off of that. Hundred percent. I did not. Uh, I did not bet Peter Uline and Richie were not. That's a shame because yep. I thought that was a good look for the podcast as I was watching over the weekend. No, at least you, uh, at least you brought it up. Maybe you put that in people's heads. That I would, agree with you that the event is fine if you want to make the event better just get a few better teams there and, and i, I totally disagree with the idea of four rounds of alternate shot we've played your viewer has played a little alternate shot they've played a similar format in a member guest or something a member member or something like that or some whatever this first there's a couple of, first of all the scoring would be way too disparate Oh, yeah, it'd be crazy. Alternate shot is really hard. You don't want a team to go out there and shoot 79-82. On th- that's not fun for anyone. And then that decreases the likelihood, I think, that you're going to get major players there because they don't want to do that. They want to go have fun, play with a buddy, make lots of birdies. You need the best ball on two of those days, and I think they've set it up perfectly in terms of the format. Just get a few better players there. Get more of the fans back, and you've still got like a, a pretty decent event. Don't don't screw up a good thing. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And and it was um, it was jump right to to Sunday to the to the playoff. Going into that playoff, I mean, it was it was very back and forth. Starting on, I think it was like hole twelve. They bounced back and forth. I think at one point, I want to say Cam Smith and and. Leishman on the back nine had a two-stroke lead and then it between I, I want to say somebody somebody one team made a birdie another team made a bird or a bogey on the same hole and it, it kind of switched around a little bit momentum switched but talk about the the whole I mean the epitome of team golf is when you go to the playoff hole and the better player the player that doesn't need to win this golf tournament hits it in the water so his partner that I don't believe is qualified for the PGA, maybe is Charles qualified for like, so like the PGA championship, the term of century champion, the two year exemption. I want to say Louis is like, is in a better spot than what Charles is. So it was almost kind of, it was sad to see Charles have no power over that tee shot. And then obviously it kind of, it, it kind of snowballed from there. But <laughs> you mean like he would have hit a better shot because it meant more to him? I no, not necessarily. I don't think you would hit a better shot. Or a Obviously, it meant a lot to Gooey. Otherwise, he wouldn't have hit the shot that he did. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But it was it was more so that like Charles was is on the outside looking in, while so it was just it was it was kind of a it was a, it was a somber moment for. Uh, All right, I think this is a good time for this because I wanted to play this little game. Yeah, with you. Cause I think this is a really interesting case. Mm-hmm. So of the guys who were involved in the playoff, you're talking about Charles status and how it compares to Gooey and stuff of those four, Cam Smith, 
Mark Leishman, Gooey, and Charles Schwartzel. Who do you think has the most career earnings? Uh, PGA Tour. PGA Tour. Um, well, Louis now worldwide. Uh, might be Cam Smith because Louis never won on tour. Uh, Charles, I don't know what, I don't think Charles ever won on, on America soil besides, um, whatever, whatever year that masters was. Yeah. He won so, the masters. So besides, has he won besides that's in Georgia, which last I checked is a state Yes, in yes. the United States of America. That's American. I'm soil. sticking with Cameron Smith. I'm done. I'm done giving my reasoning behind why I think it's Karen Smith. Wow, I knew this game would be fun. He has the least. Cameron Smith does. Yeah. Okay. Would you like another crack at the at the most? I feel like because I was I was I was dog I was because I was dogging on Charles. This is probably because I let you stop embarrassing yourself. I I think uh, I'm gonna say it was probably it's probably Charles. He's the second least. (laughs) We're gonna cut this part. Uh, I have no idea then. Mark Leishman. Has the most. Okay. $32.4 million in the PGA Tour earnings. He's won. That was his sixth victory worldwide. I think like half of those are PGA. He's old, dude. Like he's been on tour for a long time. Cam Smith's only been on tour for since 2015, maybe. Six years, something like that. I guess I kind of just forgot about Leishman because I know Cam Smith has three wins. So that's just Gooey that has third. tons of earnings. 23 and a half he's up to after Zurich in his career earnings. Charles, 18.7 and Cam, 15.3. So I thought I knew that would be interesting. I just thought that <clears throat> it's kind of interesting to go through those numbers and get a feel for where these, what kind of career these guys have had and just reflect on our own recency bias. Leishman has not had a great couple of years. Mm-mm. Cam Smith has been on fire. And then all of a sudden that distorts our perception about the quality of those players. But Cam Smith, good on him. He's on one hell of a run right now since that second uh, at Augusta last November. I mean, the guy it feels like he hasn't played bad in six months. No, no, it doesn't seem like it. You see that they, um, over the last month or two, it's been there's been a lot of questions regarding are you going to play in the Olympics if you are in your, in the, whatever the top three or four that make it for the, for the country. And, um, Cam Smith and, uh, Mark Leishman were like, hell yeah, we're playing. So it's interesting to see, cause that's kind of right in the middle of like the, the heat of the summer. Like either they have to miss a WGC event or it's like right butted up next to one. Um, I'd rather play in the Olympics than the WGC. Wouldn't you? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think is, it depends on the what Olympics. Are the Olympics in China? Yes, I believe so. Ooh, baby. So Get ready for some politics surrounding <laughs> that. Maybe I, somebody should ask Rory what he thinks. <laughs> I think it all depends on like where what your status is on tour too. Like obviously if you're in a if you're in a good standing spot and you don't need the WGC event, uh, I think it's pretty pretty cool I opportunity think all to go guys, play for your country. Yeah, I think they all would rather play. For sure. Maybe nine out of 10. There's probably some exceptions here and there. Um, uh, I have, all right. What else did you want to mention about the Zurich? I have, uh, I have arguably what I, I believe to be the worst beat I've, I've ever experienced, especially. Oh, come on. Come okay. on. Okay. Okay. 
it, it is. It, but You're I mean, just it was going to talk about Kokrak and Perez. Kokrak and Perez. I had the top twenty, and they played. They played phenomenal. They played phenomenal for sixty-six holes, yeah, sixty-seven no, never, holes. Up to that point, it never looked like they would not. No, no, because I, I, I had four. I had four bets this weekend. Uh, obviously, Kisner and Brown. They were out early, so I had three bets on the weekend. So I was just watching. I was watching those three, and Kokrak and Perez was one of the ones I was never really concerned about. It was more like Gim and Sue that kind of kept hanging around that number. They ended up hitting. They ended up, they ended up hitting. So Perez and Kokrak, starting on hole fourteen of Sunday. Keep in mind they needed to top twenty. Right now they're probably sitting on hole fourteen. They're probably sitting top. They're like T seven, T six, probably at, yeah, the, at this point. T T six sounds right. On fourteen, they made a bogey. On hole fifteen, they made a double bogey. On hole sixteen, they made a bogey. On hole seventeen, they figured it out. They made a par. Hole eighteen, the they par made three, though. yeah, par three. Hole eighteen, they made a bogey, and they finished T twenty one. Yeah, par on, on eighteen. Par on eighteen. Yeah, par on eighteen would have yeah got them in. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that was tough. I was brutal. <laughs> I was pretty happy to be making dinner by that point because when you texted me, that was the first I'd I'd learned of it. And I pretty much had spent that money at that point. Yeah, I was. I told everybody this tournament is so hard to bet on. Yeah. And that being said. Maybe the reevaluation is that this is a the favorites deserve a little more attention than I gave them credit for because I think Hatton and Willett were the shortest odds I took, and that was like twenty seven. And Leash and Cam, I'm guessing, were down like around twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would guess. So. And Charles and Louis were probably right around right in the same similar neighborhood as. Uh, uh, Hatton and Willett probably, and those were obviously the two teams to bet on. So Stenson and Rose top twenty, though, didn't they? They did, yeah. And so did so did Gim and uh, Gim and Sue, and that's what yeah, I missed on Stewart and Knox. I missed on Kiz and Brown, who were one of the worst teams in the field. The form is so poor, and then uh, also missed on that wild long shot of Kelly Craft and. Uh, Kevin Tway, which, sorry, I won't do that again. Yeah, I um, it was it was you you kept mentioning it on last last podcast, but bankroll management for this tournament was like was really key because you at one point between first and top twenty was like four shots, so you mm-hmm. there was never a moment at any point, well besides Perez and Kokrak, which I had for a little bit, that I thought that I actually won a bet until the tournament was over because all it took was like one double, if you were top top 10 at one point, you doubled, you were outside the top 20. So it was very well, much... Well, let's not forget about Ben Ahn and Sung J.M. either. We can forget about them. We absolutely can. I, sh- I should have waited for my, my PGA championship ticket. I don't know why. <laughs> I, mu- I must have lost like close to 40 bucks or something this week. I can't, I must have, I think I only cashed two tickets and I probably, between my outrights and my other finishing positions, I probably lost twice that many. Well, it's a new week. More than that. It's a new week, and I'm actually really excited for the Valspar. I was there's some really good odds, like very, very good odds that I saw. Like, oh, from, what do you like? 
So we want you want to just get it right into it? Let me set it up a little bit. Yeah, go ahead and set it up. All right. So this is Copperhead Course, Florida. Mm-hmm. Innisbrook Resort. You ever played? Yeah, but I was really young, so I don't really remember it. Mm-hmm. But I have spent a lot of time on that property because we used to uh, vacation nearby. So I've stayed in like a condo there and I played the golf courses. This course is hard, uh, mm-hmm. hard, hard. 10 of the top 30 in the world here. It's pretty strong field. Justin Thomas is back. I think this is only the fourth, fourth time he's played here in his career. DJ is playing. Um, the field is pretty, pretty strong. The cut here is almost always over par. It's narrow and the winning score, I think like Hadwin shot like 14 under here or something like that in 2016. All the other winning scores are in the 10 and t- 8 to 10 kind of mm-hmm. neighborhood. So like you need to hit it. You pretty, it's a full test. You have to keep it in play, period. You cannot hit it offline, off the tee. You will be scrambling. Uh, to try and make par, you'll make a lot of bogeys. Uh, you're going to want to be good on approach, but maybe that's not quite as important this week because you, everybody is going to have to scramble because everybody's going to miss greens this week. Mm-hmm. So if you're a really poor scrambler, you may not be able to overcome that with ball striking. Like you think it's a ball striker's paradise. And then you look at a guy like Keegan Bradley, who's two for five here and has never really had a high finish. Is that because when he inevitably misses six or seven greens around, which is more than he's accustomed to missing, he can't get up and down for par and he can't make, make up for it with enough birdies. Also these greens are tricky is the most putts, Missed inside of five feet all year on tour uh, besides Riviera. Are they grainy? They look so grainy when you watch on TV. Like Mm -hmm. really dark, really shiny, really dark, really shiny. And there's a lot of slope despite them not being particularly large greens. Mm -hmm. So the course is just straight up hard. So that's that's kind of the setup. Casey has won two in a row here. I know. Kind of weird. Like goes against a little bit of what I said because he's not a super good scrambler. Um, I don't know though. He's just a horse for course here. Like this is his jam. So he's two. He's going for three in a row. Here's my second bit of trivia for you this week. There are. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys who have ever won, let alone three in a row, th- a tournament three times, the same tournament. Steve Stricker. PGA Tour history. Steve Stricker. Can you John name Deere classic? That's one. Can <laughs> you name can you name more than half? Can you name five out of nine? You've already got one. Uh, Tiger Woods, Buick, that, Buick Invitational. Yes, you don't even need to tell me the tournament because okay. he's got like three of them. Tory, okay. Firestone, um, him, Stricker. I will take uh, as. Think about majors. That's what I'm. Oh, Kapka. Cap, uh, no. 
He has two U.S. Opens and two PGAs, right? Yes. Yes, he does. We're going to have to have an extensive notes section at the end of this one. Corrections. Yes. Um, Who's the best player to ever live? Jack Nicholas. Yes, well, and what, well, he's won for, the Masters three times, has he not? Yes. Yes. Okay, who's the third best player of all time? Well, once again, we're, we're up for a little bit. It's not Phil Nicholson. We're up for a little bit of debate. Sam Snead? No. Oh, okay. I was thinking Arnold Palmer. Sam Snead is a good guess. He's not on the list. So, Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, Billy Casper, Tom Watson, Johnny Miller, Gene Litterler, Stuart Appleby. With what? What do you do? You know what term it is? I can't think of it. Something, some ball strikers, irons type place, Stricker and Woods. So Casey's going for not only three but three in a row here. So, um, he's twenty-two to one, which is interesting. The other thing that's interesting is you look at the board. Not even interesting. Like I just think DJ's not the favorite. JT is the betting favorite. Now, granted, some books have them priced evenly at 10 to 1, but I saw 8 to 1 for JT and 12 to 1 for DJ, which is just like, huh. You know, it just makes you stop and pause. Connors is the third highest priced player on the board. Corey Connors, who I watched play in the Corn Ferry Tour not three years ago at in Bogota, Colombia, he's 14 to one. So people like, I don't really know if that number's drifted yet, but I think you're going to be hard pressed to find one single human being, maybe a Canadian, but not an American to take Corey Connors at 14 to one. Uh, just like numbers just jumps off as being a total misprice. So um, that's kind of the top of the board. Then, like I said, Casey's reads next at 16. Casey's 22. I'll pull up the board while you talk about who you like. Yeah. I, so actually I, I, you mentioned Corey Connors at, at 14 to one. I have him on FanDuel at 19 to one. Um, I'm not going to take him outright, but just, uh, the last only other time he's played here in 2018, he led the first three rounds. So obviously he hits the ball like a machine uh four top four top tens and a t14 in his last six starts so obviously he's in really good form i won't touch 19 to 1 but i will touch him to top 20 at minus 115 i think he is playing well enough and um you mentioned you mentioned ball striking being a key and unfortunately if you do miss screens you're still obviously gonna have to get up and down um i do like him at minus 115 uh, to top 20. Um, another name that jumps off the list at me is, um, I believe Joachim Neiman is minus 110 to top 20. Let me double check that number real quick. I have, yeah, I have minus, I'm looking at minus 125 to top 30, so... Maybe that's what it is. So, so yeah, to top thirty. Let me pull it up just so I can confirm would, this number. That would make um, one tenish would make would make sense there. Yeah. So he uh, once again. Um, 
unfortunately, what Peter said is not really the the research I did. I focused more on ball striking and like the really good ball strikers, and the hopes are that they can they can get up and down when they need to, at least at, at somewhat high clip. Uh, so Joaquin Neiman is second in ball striking on tour right now. Um, so I like where he's at. I mean, his driving accuracy distance is really really good. Um, yeah, he's at minus 110 to top 30 on FanDuel. So I like that one. Um, That's a good number. Yeah. And then so you're on Connors and you're on Connors to top 20. Mm-hmm. And you're on Neiman to top 20. And then um, another guy that I've, I've been on constantly throughout the year is, uh, even though he just screwed me so bad last week, is Jason Kokrak. Uh, he is minus 110 to top 30. Uh, the last time this event was played, 2019, he was the co-runner-up. Uh, I want to say, I, I believe I saw a stat, four of his last six events here, he was top 15. So he is playing, he has played well, he has some history here. Uh, obviously his form is in pretty good shape. Um, he's, my fa- he's my favorite finishing position player this week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen numbers as high as plus one twenty-five to top thirty. Mm-hmm. Like he is second biggest horse for course here behind Casey. Yeah, hundred percent. The last six, four top fifteens, co-runner up in nineteen, and yeah, three top tens in the past two months, and and uh, all three of those are in Florida. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then keep- so like this guy loves this golf course and like, if you're really long and straight with your driver here, then it's going to take away a lot of the complications of the golf course. Just the way I mm-hmm. don't hate DJ this week. No, he just needs to play a little more consistently for me to, it's just tough when he's always at the top of the board and he's obviously he's had some success this year so far. 12 to uh- one is a discount. If you like DJ this week, mm-hmm. then you can put all your bankroll on that. Back it up with a Kokrak to top 30, top 20, or something like that. Because these numbers that they're given for finishing position for Kokrak are just... Hopefully we're not suckers, but they're really good. I, I plus hope, I hope I'm to top 30. If you can find any kind of plus, plus or even money to top 30 for Kokrak, I think that's a really... So pretty, a pretty good bet. Those were kind of my those were my safer plays, and then I have some some uh, some longer odds on. We're gonna stick with the uh, form uh, playing form recently. Charlie Hoffman is plus one seventy to top thirty. Charlie Hoffman is on fire right now. I mean, he has played. He has dude take since mid February eight for eight hey. with top. You eight. need to give out. Did you just say plus one seventy to top thirty? Plus one seventy to top thirty, Charlie. Hoffman. You need. Where are you getting that? Um, I'm looking. You need at to it. give out that book because that. That's on Fanduel. That's a crazy number. Mine is. I'm right now. I happen to be looking at Bet Rivers in Illinois. My top thirty number for Charlie Hoffman is plus one hundred five. It's insane. He, I mean, it's it's an absolute. The plus one seventy five number is like almost a mistake. Yeah, no, it might 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 be absolutely might be. He t seventh at Pebble Beach in the middle of February. Since then, he is eight for eight making cuts with three top tens and six top twenties. 
Uh, and he's also, his career at Copperhead is very good. He's eight for 13 with five top 25s uh, in his career. So obviously, I mean, I don't, I don't know where, where plus 170 comes from, um, but I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I do too. It's really good. Um, and then two more long shots uh, that I have on my board. I have Martin Laird um, at plus one ninety to top forty. Uh, Martin Laird, Marty Marty Laird, baby. Marty Laird can hit his irons. He can hit them very solid, very straight, and very consistently. So, with that being said, I I do like him at plus one ninety to top forty. And then I I have one more that I don't know. Wow, you are you are. Didn't you say something about managing your bankroll when, I said before that, you started yeah, on this rant? That's now this ticket is going on. Are we on the fifth or sixth player here? Uh, well, I think we're on the fifth. Uh, no, this is the sixth actually. And I told you that was for the last week. This is for this week, and I like this board a lot more. Uh, Matthew Naismith is plus three ten to top thirty. His. Uh, his uh, strokes gain approach is one of the best on tours for a guy that you really uh, you don't hear much about, like ever. So he, I don't know where I I, I found this number on FanDuel, um, paired with a little bit of research as far as ball striking. I, I do like him at plus three ten for a little bit of a long shot uh, finishing position. And that's kind of that's kind of a. That's kind of where my my board is right now. I'm sure I'll, I'll add some, uh, maybe add some picks as the the week you progresses. You have no uh, you have no outrights. No, and I I've I try I try like hell to stay away from outrights. I just I feel like especially I don't know. Oh, uh, you're not gonna. Okay, can you at least only, tell us you think's gonna win the golf tournament? Then it almost seems it it seems. It seems like such a soccer bet, but I actually like Corey Connors. He's playing well. Justin Thomas is obviously a threat to win every week, but he hasn't. He's won top ten in his last like seven starts, and that was at the Masters. So I don't know what is going. I mean, he he was struggling with that homophobe stuff for a while, and and a little bit of off the course issue with his grandpa, and so hope maybe he's in he's in the right mindset now. To, to go out and win, but and I've he has decent finishes in the two out of his three appearances, tied tenth and tied eighteenth here, so he can get it around here. Yeah, he's not super accurate off the tee though. That though, you do not have to hit driver here. Mm-hmm. So the average driving distance on this golf course is about ten yards shorter than most than the average, which just means you're you're clubbing down a little more. Uh, a little more frequently than than otherwise. So you, you like you don't like Charlie Hoffman at forty to one. Uh, I don't, I don't dislike him at forty to one. I mean, it's hard, it's hard not to to like him at forty to one, given all those things I just rattled off about him. Um, I just think it's interesting, Hunter, that you're not going to give us any outright picks. I mean, I like your finishing positions. I got you Connors top twenty, Neiman top twenty. Uh, Neesmith, what was it? Two, three, ten. Neesmith, three, ten to top thirty. And what was your other your long shot right before that? Martin Laird plus one ninety. Party Marty, Party Marty. How could I forget? I'm not sure. Yeah, he's he's actually been playing pretty well. I think he they played and missed the cut last week, maybe. But Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm tightening up this week All right. after after <laughs> having the realization sort of set dawn on me a few moments ago when I was counting through my I'm not in Michigan, so I can't look. I was in this happens all the time and I usually screenshot, but I was in Michigan. And so I placed my bets on a Michigan book uh, naturally legally last week. And so I can't actually see my receipts. So I don't know exactly how much I lost, but I didn't win. So I have some absolute just love, love, loves on the finishing position side. I'm getting Jason Kokrak to top 30 for to, for plus 125. Wow. I will bet that heavy. Yes. Um, the other guy I like who's down the board, former winner here not too long ago. Actually, I think that may have been 16 and Hadwin won in. Yeah, Hadwin won in 17 and Charles in 16. Charles Schwartzel, plus 200 to top 30. The guy went win t6 here two years in a row and then his game was struggling and he missed the cut i think in 19 but only by a couple shots he's another low-key horse for course um he's plus 200 to top 30 and plus 163 to um top 40 so i'm taking both of those and i'm probably i'm gonna also look for a top 20 number on coke rack so i'm gonna bet multiple finishing position bets on those two players, Kokrak and Charles. They're my two favorite finishing position players. A little more lightly, Justin Rose is another guy who has great history here, and he is even money to top 30, plus 100 to top 30. And then another guy who I think is kind of a low-key horse for course who is in great form is Lucas Glover. And he is a great fit for this golf golf course. He can strike it to death. Hopefully he doesn't have to scramble too much, but he has good enough history here for me to make him think he, he separates in that respect from a guy like uh, Keegan. And he's plus 150 to top 30. So he has enough history here for me to, and enough form for me to really like that. So I like Kokrak. I like Schwartzel. I like Glover. And I like Rose for finishing positions, all even or plus money to top 30, top 30. And then you can mix in some forties and some twenties too, if you want. I, so I'm consolidating a little bit in terms of finishing position. I'm not doing that with my outrights because I opened this board and I couldn't resist clicking on a few players. One of those I have heard absolutely nobody talk about this week, and it makes me absolutely love him. I think this is a total dark horse, sneaky possibility that if he came through, you'd say, oh, that's not that much. That's not that big of a surprise. And that gentleman's name is Bubba Watson, and he is 60 to one this week. He was sixth here two years ago. Played well with Scheffler last last week, though I have to confess I didn't really dig into that or look at the hole-by-holes or the scorecards. I don't know who was carrying that team. I saw they had some good mojo. Bubba was in a bit of a funk 
and he appears to be playing a little bit better. He's driving it really well again. And he was, you know, knows this course well enough to top 10, nearly top five. Uh, the last time we were here. So I'm not surprised to see him back. There's a lot of dog legs out here. I think he can work his driver and his other clubs around off the tee. I think visually being tree lined, it's a good, it's a good setup for him. And the fact that this winning score is not, it's, this is not a birdie fest. You don't have to make a ton of putts. You just have to grind for pars, keep your ball in play. 60 to one is just an awesome value. The other guy that I really like down the board is Sam Burns. Sam Burns has been. He should be lucky. He should be lucky he's playing in this golf tournament this week after. <laughs> I thought Billy was going to take him out back last, uh, yeah, last yeah. <laughs> going. Did you see that? Billy Watch is on any. TV. He's on PGA Tour Live every week now. Oh, yeah. No, the, the fans, there's a, <laughs> there's a conception that the fans love him. According to PGA, PGA Tour Live, uh, he's gonna get some of that forty million. Bet your ass. Oh hell yeah, you will. Yeah, I think that was eighteen on Friday, the cut day where where Sam Burns hit into the water at eighteen and they missed the cut because of it. And I think <laughs> Billy, Billy, Billy. No, they didn't miss the cut. No, they were something. There was some reason. Like there was something that happened on. When did I text you? Was that Friday? I don't know. I can't remember, but I figured. Oh yeah, Billy's back on his. BS again. It was. It was. Uh, they played good. I watched them a little bit on PGA Tour Live, and I saw Sam miss two short putts. <laughs> but like, if I was on Billy's team, I'm not sure how well I'd play. Oh, I, I would struggle. I would, and he deliberates so much with his caddy. But the thing about Burns is, this is a good course for Burns. He plays well at Honda. That's when he kind of bursts on the scene. He played in the final group with Tiger, whipped Tigers behind that day. He's had two good finishes here in the last two editions. He backed up on Sunday. He shot like a 76 and a 75 on both those Sundays. He was in contention prior to that. I think this is a really good course for Sam Burns. If I'm feeling crazy, I might back it up a little bit with a 20, 20 top 20 or top 30, but he's 80 to 1. So I hit that, and I have an each way. So I have Bubba at 60. I have Burns at 80. You know I couldn't resist Schwartzel at 150. <laughs> He's got second last week. He's a former winner here. We've seen some older guys kind of have, uh, you know, Stuart Sink, anyone? So I, like, I'm not going to be super surprised if Charles wins, and obviously I'm backing him pretty significantly this week. So I figured why not throw a nickel on 150? And then another guy that I really like, kind of in the Burns mold, Florida, Bermuda, hard, windy, Keith Mitchell, mm. 175 to one. Winner of the Honda. You can see I'm kind of comping this to Honda, which is not totally fair because this is more northern Florida tree line type golf than, than Honda, which is wide open and windier. But this is not like totally dissimilar because the grass is the same and the layouts are similar and the length and stuff like that. So I have no idea what Keith's done here, if anything, in the past. I just know that he can play in Florida and he appears to be playing okay because I don't know that neither he nor Snedeker were in great form coming into last week and they had a great week. So maybe Keith can get a little hot. Maybe his putter's heating up on his preferred grass type. 
and plus 175 to win a tournament in the eight to 10 under range. I mean, like I'm not going to bet him often, but this is, this is a good number and, and potentially a good time. So I did buy those four <clears throat> outright tickets. So then I'm hedging a lot in DraftKings because I will tell you, there are a few players that I am seriously worried about towards the top of the board in terms of screwing up my week. One of those is Sung J M. This would totally be the week for him to burn us. He's another guy who's had great success in Florida. Steady. We just had this conversation about the PGA championship winning score under 10 under have to grind it out. have to ball strike it. I don't know that the form is quite there. I don't know what happened with Benny on last week, but 25 in this field is, is a good number. I got a 31 on FanDuel. Whoa. So yeah. So there's some serious drift there after last week. I mean, he could, you could get him at 31 and you know, there's majors and stuff like that where he's been 31. So, um, then the other guy who has great history here, Hunter, who I'm really worried about is Reed. That was another name that I saw just cause he, just because he, he makes, he does, he's never going to, he doesn't even, he could come here and he wouldn't even have to play well. Yeah. And he can scramble himself to six to eight under over four days. Exactly. And hit like a handful of good full swings every day and make two or three birdies. Like this is a perfect course for him. I think he has two, two runner ups, 15, 18. Yeah. Yeah. So he's gotten close now. Granted he shot like 81 here <laughs> or 79 or something like he should. Just, we'll block that. Out this of course banks. can do you. This course can do that to you. Hatton is another guy. He shot 81 here. Like if you if it catches you in poor form, look out. Eighties. You're going to see some guys shooting the low, potentially in the low eighties this week. So I don't put too much stock in it. It's just like if you think he's in good form, he he's played the course well before. So like when I look at form, it's like do you have any high finishes here? Not necessarily. Do you have su- sustained success? Mm-hmm. Particularly for a guy like Reed's, whose form can be a little up and down, but. This is a great course for him, obviously, two seconds. So I don't know if I'll add 16 to one if there's drift there or if I can get closer to that 30 number that you're getting on Sungjae, I might add those guys to the ticket because I'm all my pretty much all my all four of my picks for outright so far pretty much fall in the in the uh, out on uh, the uh, long shot category. So mm-hmm. The only. um I'm going to give one more pick just um, because we mentioned his partner last week, Charles. Charles and Louis also played well, and Louis has some history here at Copperhead. Since 2016, he's T7, T16, T2, um, and he is plus 100 to top 30 at this event. So uh, obviously he played him and Charles played well last week. Um, I don't hate that plus 100 number at top 30 on FanDuel for Louis Oosthuizen. I might be able to be talked into replacing Rose because Rose is a little dicier on the ball striking. Yeah. But Rose is a guy like this is a great course. You can literally like I said with Reed and Rose you know 
they can come out here and fake it and score. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can also have a guy like Louie who will just come out of here and hit it, hit, you know, hit it square every time and, and find his way around that way. So, no. well, it was fun doing the is fun doing the trivia. Yeah, I I might be the the worst trivia um like facts person that i've ever met like i i I can like if you tell me to this is a bad example because it's a golf podcast but like remember like this basketball game from like like an ncaa tournament game from 2010 if you like tell me the teams i can remember the game but i just can't like tell you those like who played who, who won the championship in 2010 i couldn't like even come close to telling you neither could i that was 11 years ago yeah, but like, okay, well, do it like do even like three years ago. I'd still, I'd still struggle to tell you who. I mean, I, I guess it was 2019 was Chris Jenkins. I don't know what 2018 was. So, how many Masters winners can you name in order in reverse? Oh, very few. Like very, very few. I, it would be. It would be. Okay, start. Answer. Who won this year? So I could do. I could do Hideki. I could do DJ. Um, and I guess I could do three years cause I could do tiger. And then I don't, I don't know after that you could give me, I could tell you like who, like, who I, I know, the I know on tiger. Um, I can like picture the read the, yeah, yeah, it was read. I can picture the photo. Um, and the year oh, before that was, um, uh, we're going to start getting, like Willett was somewhere. Sergi, that's so far in the past. See, that's, that's just what I mean. So Sergio, Isn't it Sergio. We need yes. to obviously we need to do more of this because you got the the absolute wrong answer on the Cam Smith. The literally the worst answer you could have <laughs> It wasn't. Uh, that wasn't my. That wasn't my best effort, but the. I let myself trick you tricked me because I thought like the way you presented the answer or the question that it was, it was like, you were trying yeah, to trick me to, yeah, to say right. camp. Oh, you're right. Will it was a year before Sergio. Okay. So, so far in advance, so far in the past. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Will it then speed in 15, Bubba in 14, Scott in 13, Bubba in 12, Charles, my boy this week. Let's go. Winner in 11, Phil in 2010, Angel Cabrera, 09. Yeah, poor Angel. Hopefully he's, I mean, I don't know, but just if our listeners don't know, Angel is in like some serious shit. <laughs> he's in he's falling he's on in, some hard times. Yeah, he's in like federal prison. Won a major in the state of Michigan. Oakland Hills beat Tiger. Yeah, isn't that It is driver so good that week. Unbelievable. Hitting that big old power slice. His, uh, like his career like overview of his career is, is pretty funny. <laughs> He's had just his, his success at that. Just like what happened? Obviously he got old, but yeah, I mean, he, he was incredibly, he had more sustained success than I think you're probably giving him credit for. I mean, he's obviously a bit of a mercurial guy given his current circumstances, but I mean, he had a great career and he won two majors in three years, right? Yeah. He won a U.S. open and a master's. Pretty crazy. I mean, you can do worse, Hunter. No, there's no doubt, and that's not. I didn't mean like necessarily. I was after that. You might as well end up in prison. I mean, what the hell? Yeah, you've, you've lived a good life. Yeah. Time to start going in the other direction. Yeah, but apparently, he's uh, he's right. giving that a try. All right. Good luck on the uh, Valspar. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, yeah, same to you. Pokrak, Schwartzel, Glover, Rose are my finishing position. I might add Louie to that. And then let's let's hit a let's hit something decent. Maybe Bubba or, or Burns can have a good finish, or maybe Keith can hit up each way with the top five or something. That'd be awesome. Hope open. Cash cash twenty percent of uh one seventy five to one is still good. Yeah, no, that's not bad. Okay. All right. Thanks, Hunter. Yep, talk to you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Back with notes. We were actually right about almost everything we said. Um, but we did a couple small corrections. Um, Nicholas does not have three masters. He has twice that. He has six masters, which makes sense. When you have 18 majors, you have a lot of everything. Six masters, five PGAs, four U.S. Opens, three Open Championships, for Jack Nicholas. So, also, I was wrong about Reed. He's never shot 81 at the Valspar, to my knowledge. He just shot 77 75 in uh, the last edition in 2019. So, he does have great form here. It's just not uh, in the most, didn't happen in the most recent edition for him. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you all next week. Good luck at the Valspar.